Thank you so much for joining us, Dean from Animal Aid UK. Um, we just want to hear a little bit from you first, what a little bit about your organization and what it is you do in it. Uh, animal Aid is uh, an animal rights, animal welfare, animal campaign group who were established in 1977 by uh, a woman called Jean Pink, who was a school teacher and wanted to bring greater awareness of animal rights issues to the public. And uh, way back in the 70s, it was we've still got the same problems today that animals face in society as we did back in the 1970s. And Animal Aid has become probably the one of the leading campaign groups in Europe. Um, we've certainly got a very big membership and uh, we campaign on many different fronts. We campaign against vivisection. Uh, we're a vegan organization and promote veganism. Uh, so we campaign against intensive farming. Uh, we campaign to protect wildlife. Um, we also campaign to protect racehorses, which is um, quite a unique challenge that we've got because there's no other organization that have really a specific campaign to help racehorses. And racehorses are ubiquitous, they're all around the world and uh, they face a lot of problems. Um, and I sort of, um, I'm the consultant at Animal Aid on horse racing issues. And I, I help out on other campaigns as well as and when needed. Um, so that's a sort of overview of um, the way Animal Aid can works and we work with the media we work with politicians and of course we have the support of a lot of the the public um so we press the animal industries into uh, we would like to see them all disappear but we certainly press them into change and reform and uh, and that's our goal and our job and um, we enjoy doing that and it's a it's a lifelong ambition you know and it's a it's a thing that pursue i i started at your age and now i'm a an old guy and i'm still going and doing it it's so it's amazing so you've been doing it since the 70s uh yeah uh, well animal aid has been around since the 70s i started campaigning more in the 80s the mid 80s um uh, when I was sort of 30 odd years old, I, I didn't get into animal rights till quite late on, you know, around about 30 years of age. So uh, a bit of a late starter, but very passionate since. And, and how did it start? How did you get um, involved, interested? Uh, I, I, I think my conscience was uh, sort of pre when I saw an advert in a paper with a with a dog with a can over the dog's nose and the, the hands the, the legs of the dog were tied behind the dog's back and this dog was going for human consumption out in Korea or somewhere. And I thought, mm, I'd like to do something about this. And and, uh, 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 and I was always passionate about animals, but I never really got committed to, to trying to help them. But I saw that image and that really sparked a change within me. And so I decided, you know, I want to get involved in some way. So we started a, a local campaign group in the area where I live in England and we uh, campaigned against an intensive chicken farm that would that went on to supply KFC and supermarkets. Um, and we did a lot of campaigning against that. I went undercover and filmed inside a hatchery where these little chicks were going through absolute torture. You know, it was it was terrible. And we wanted to expose this. And this is you know, this is going back to the 80s. And of course, Animal Aid were already up and running. That, and I was not really aware of what they were doing at that time. But eventually, um, paths cross in, in, in this world of, uh, you know, animal campaigning. And I got involved with a guy called uh, Andrew Tyler, who, who 
who's no longer with us now, but he was a di- he was the director at the, of Animal Aid at the time. And we decided we would get a campaign going to help racehorses because that was a, an area that was sort of missing within the animal campaign um, uh, agenda. And, and we wanted to build something and, and help horses um, get a better deal. And we would like to see racing banned, obviously, but um, uh, that campaign grew and grew and grew. Um, and then Isabel Hutchinson took over at Animal Aid and now we've got Ian Green as the director. I've got two assistants who, who work on the campaigns, Fiona Pereira, who's a colleague, and, and uh, Jessamy, who's head of campaigns at Animal Aid. And, and of course, Ian, the director, and we all work together getting, getting horse issues out in the media, out politically, and um, uh, you know, out to the public and want to get change made. That's amazing. So have you, what is, you've been campaigning for such a long time, right? What are some of the campaigns that you can still remember, maybe from 20, 30 years ago, or just some things that you're very proud of? Yeah, well, uh, change within, uh, when we talk about change, it's always, it tends to be incremental, you know, slow um, passages of change that take place over time, sort of small, small changes. But uh, one of the one of the key things I suppose you know about the Grand National in England, do you the big horse race where they jump over big fences? Um, it's probably one of the most famous horse races in the world. Uh, we've come. I I personally campaigned against that for for over thirty years, and um, just over ten years ago we got a debate going in Parliament where we would like to see the race banned, but uh, we couldn't go as far as that. But we certainly got changes made to the. Um, layout of the course, the, the the structure of the fences, so that they weren't demanding, so demanding upon the horses. So we got radical change at this very, very major and dangerous race. Uh, we've also got changes made at other race courses. Um, I've worked on uh, scientific papers dealing with the use of the whip in racing. I've got a whip here now. I don't know if you can see this. But this is the implement that jockeys hit horses with. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll show you how powerful it is. I don't know if you can hear that, but yeah. um, it's a, when a horse feels that, it does actually hurt. Uh, and the design of this thing is meant to be cushioned, but it, but most it's of it, if a jockey hard. hits horses, yeah, it's very, very painful horses, for mm. horses. And, and horses get hit in the, they don't only, uh, only get hit, hit on the rear quarters in an actual race. They get hit in the face. Um, they get hit over all, all different parts of the bodies. Um, uh, and so I've written a scientific paper on the use of the whip with the University of um, uh, Sydney in Australia and a guy called Professor Paul McGreevy, who's a leading scientist on equine matters. And so we've campaigned for changes in the use of the whip. And we've recently seen some changes in Britain uh, in the use of the whip. Jockeys can still use these things. We want to see them banned, but we've seen the re- reduction in the amount of strikes that they can give a horse now. I mean, it's not perfect, but it is an incremental change. That's, a, that's another example that we've been working on. Um, we want to bring awareness. I've got something here called a bit that goes in a horse's mouth. You may recognize that. Yeah. That goes in a racehorse's mouth. And this is how they dragged about. And that is as, or probably more so, distressing and, 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 and um, more of a welfare issue uh, that probably doesn't go seen. You know, it's probably mm-hmm. not noted. 
And that, you know, we're, we're campaigning in, in these different areas. We've also campaigned not only for racehorses, but for, for carriage horses. And this is a, a carriage horse bit. I think you're based in, in Amsterdam, are you? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Close, close. Yeah, yeah. And if you go into Amsterdam, you'll see horses with these bits in the mouths. Oh, yeah. Taking around storage carriage, you know, tourists yeah. and carriages. And these are, these are hard, tough things. And eight hours of this in a horse's mouth is very sore at the end of it. So we've campaigned not only for race horses, but for carriage horses as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we're involved in, in, in quite a lot, um, but predominantly race horses. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, and we keep, we keep something called uh, uh, a website at Animal Aid called Horse Death Watch. And so we monitor all the horses that are killed on British race courses. And we've also got an Irish horse death watch where we monitor horses killed on Irish race courses in, over in Ireland. Um, and we log all the names and the race courses where they died, the date, what, the, 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 the fatal injury that occurred to them. And this we put out in the public domain because that information isn't available. It's something that the industry have, want, uh, have wanted to be kept quiet. They don't want the public to know that 200 horses die a year on British race courses. Mm -hmm. um, they want to keep that. They want to keep that secret mm -hmm. because they want people to continue to bet on horses. They want people to go to race meetings. Um, and we're saying, look, this is what's really happening. You know, we're trying to inform the public. This is what's happening on race courses. Horses are dying in the most horrific circumstances. They're jumping fences and breaking the necks. Um, they're breaking the backs. They're breaking the legs. Um, they're having heart attacks because they're having to run so fast and so far. Um, and all these issues we sort of want to bring out and, and give to the public so they've got a greater knowledge of what is going on in, in, the racing, in the racing world so that they can, the public can make their own decisions whether or not they want to support racing or not. Um, so we've been, I've been working for Animal Aid, uh, Animal Aid started in 1977. The, the horse racing campaign has been going from about the year 2000. So we're into our, our 23rd, 24th year now. Um, so uh, a lot of work's been done that we've done and there's a lot more to do. Um, so it's an ongoing campaign and then our ultimate aim is to see a, an end to the exploitation of horses in horse racing and therefore uh, an end to horse racing. I mean, the, the death watch, what you mentioned, that, that's quite striking, I feel. And it seems that it's the only way to get people's attention because without knowing that, people will just keep going to, to these um, races and, and they might say, oh, it's not that much damage. They don't, the whip is not too hard. They don't even see maybe the, what you showed us. That the bit. Now. The bit. I, I yeah. personally never saw that. So just seeing it now, it's like... <laughs> I never support horse races anyways, but seeing that that's another reason why. Was there, before you started making that public, was there part of you or someone in the organization that was maybe thinking, this is a bit too harsh, maybe this is not the way to go, or, or are you always um, more in the mindset of, we need to put out the facts, even if they're horrible to look at, to get people to, to wake up? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, the sort of way we structure the campaigns is we look at, um, say for horse racing, for instance, we look at the, we have a, go a good understanding of the industry. You've got to understand your, your subject that you're campaigning against, whether it's 
intensive farming, animal experiments, saving, you know, a wood in the environment or, or whatever. You've got to really understand what is going on within that. And, and for example, horse racing, you've got to understand that industry. Once you understand that industry, you have to analyze where are the problems? Are there any, first of all, are there any problems? Of which, of course, there are. And you establish what those problems are and you you try and find a way to resolve them. So it could be that you go to them. You, 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 um, uh, for example, I, I took a photograph of uh, a horse being shot on a race course. I was a, I, I, I went to, the, to this race course ju just to see what was going on. Horse died in front of me, was shot in the head. I took a photograph. And that ended up on the front page of the Daily Mirror, which is one of the leading newspapers in, in, in Britain. Mm. Um, and that got public support because people, nobody before I took that photograph, nobody had ever seen a horse with a, a gun to the heads before. And then I got the horse dead on the floor, laid dead. And that was published as well. And that immediately made the industry think, right, you know, it's now on the public agenda. It's now on the um, political agenda because we, we, we took this politically a, a, bit, a bit further on a few years later. Um, uh, so we, we, we find out what the problems are. We go to the media, the media expose that to the public and the public put pressure on politicians and that forces the industry to change. One of the aspects that we worked on was the industry, like many animal industries, regulate themselves. They decide what is good and bad welfare regardless of what anybody else is thinking, because they have control of that industry. And a, a lot of politicians allow animal industries to regulate themselves. And horse racing is regulated itself. It decides what is good and bad welfare, which is a totally wrong approach, because they've got a vested interest in promoting horse racing. And welfare is an issue um, that they want to sort of keep on the back burner, so to speak, you know, out of the public's attention. So we said... Um, we need to get independent welfare regulation in horse racing. So how do we do that? Well, in the British government, there's something called e-petitions where you can start a petition. And if you get over 100,000 signatures on that petition, that has to be de debated in the British Parliament. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a debate. And we got over uh, and you've got to get 100,000 signatures within six months. And and we got about 105,000 signatures. So we forced a debate in the parliament. And we, what we said was, we want to see an independent regulator. Now the government, this was back in October, 2018, the government said, we won't be giving it, making racing independent. What we will do is establish an independent horse welfare board, which was really still an industry control board, but it was one, one improvement on what we had before. So we did see an improvement there. And this Horse Welfare Board has um, started a five year plan um, to try and implement greater welfare change. But it is still an industry controlled organisation. But it's one step further down the line to to improve welfare and to get in rid of, uh, of racing. And that's through our campaign in Animal Aid. Interesting. I was just thinking about. So you mentioned a couple of times already about um, influencing politics and, and making change through politics. And there's also the other one where you're more 
trying to influence the people directly, so like the public, society, however you want to call it, which one, obviously you do, you do both, right? So you try to influence the public and you try to influence the politicians. Which one have you seen result in more change? Like which one has the most impact or is that not really measurable? Um, uh, I think public impact is probably the most important because it's the public who go racing, it's the public who bet on horses. And if we take another campaign, say a vegan camp, you know, to, to be vegan, eat a meat-free diet and a plant-based diet, it's the public who decide that rather than the politicians. And the same applies to racing. Um, and, it, and, and a lot of public of the public put pressure on their MPs, their politicians who represent them in Parliament. So um, I think the public are very, very powerful. Uh, and politicians have to ref reflect public opinion in order for them to remain in power. Mm. So, uh, but you need the politicians, on the other hand, to actually make statutory change, you know, change the laws um, against these animal industries. So it's a balance between the two, but it's public pressure uh, and media pressure. You, know, you get things in the media, get things on the TV, on the radio, online media and print media, newspapers, then that influences the public as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a sort of, a, what I would say, in a holistic approach to take. You work in, you're sort of balancing all three, politicians, the public and the media, um, trying to win them all over to try and help them understand what animals are facing in our society and what the environment is facing, say. Um, and I think, uh, the public will make up their own minds on 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 that, and, and quite rightly too. Um, uh, but we're just putting that information out there for them to take on board if they want to take that further themselves. And that that's how I see my job anyway. And with the sharing of the information, do you also do that um, via not just social media, but in a in a sort of newsletter or something maybe? Um, something physical that you share? Magazine. Yeah, magazine. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have a quarterly magazine that goes out uh, four times a year, uh, four times a year. And it's called Outrage. Um, and it, it basically catalogues all the work we do over the previous three months. Um, it talks about how people can help on campaigns and, and animal issues. Um, and we've also got some stories in there of campaigners who've, who've done great things. And uh, so it's not only about animal aids work, but about other people's work as well. And we put throw in a vegan recipe every now and again and, you know, and, and, and promote. And it, it, it's, a, it's a good read. And, and a lot of people like something solid to, you know, get hold of in the hands and, and read in their own time rather than having to go online. So we balance that traditional form of a magazine with online things as well interesting very interesting. yeah so we try and cover all bases um and uh, of course we do a lot of a lot of media work we've done a lot of tv done a lot of um we uh, we did a we do a lot of undercover work as well uh, one of the key campaigns that uh, fiona and i worked on and, and jessamy and, and ian very closely was a campaign against the slaughtering of horses we went into a slaughterhouse undercover covertly and put some cameras in there and filmed horses that were going for slaughter. This was uh, a couple of years ago. And 
we didn't go in there because we wanted to see horses, you know, the gruesome footage of horses being killed, which was very, very distressing. These beautiful animals um, being killed in the most appalling conditions. Um, and, and, and the way they were killed was shocking. What we wanted to do, why we did that was because we wanted, because the information wasn't out there, wasn't known to the public, what sort of horses were going? To be, were they all old worn out horses that were had injuries or were they young horses? Were they race horses? Were they people's ponies? You know, what types and breeds of horses were they? How old were they? Were they fit or unhealthy? Um, so we went in there to that purpose to find out what is really going on in the slaughtering of horses. Um, and what we found was that um, wide variety of horses were all ages, all backgrounds, some in very, very good condition and some in very, very poor condition. Um, some that had been treated very badly and others that had been treated well right up to the point of being killed. Um, and we took that to... British TV, BBC, BBC TV, um, and sort of cut a long story short, Britain's premier documentary um, uh, production company called uh, Panorama mm -hmm. broadcast that on main BBC TV, prime time in the evening for 30 minutes. Over a million viewers saw the work that we'd done at Animal Aid going into this horse slaughterhouse we exposed the, uh, the program makers wanted to focus on, on racehorses. So we, we focused it on racehorses, though other horses were involved. And that shook the racing industry. And af after the Panorama program came out the next day, the British and Irish racing regulators got together immediately the next day, having seen this de absolutely damning coverage of, of racehorses going for slaughter. And they, and they said, right, all horses who are now going to race in Britain must be signed out of the food chain. So from that work that we did by going undercover, getting it out on main TV, and it was in the, all the major newspapers, um, it is preventing horses who are currently in racing from going to slaughter at the end of their lives. So mm. that, that, that was something positive, again, from our, our campaigning. Uh, I, I, and that's just one of the many, many things that we do. So we, we, we look to get, we look, you know, it, it's a big thing to, a lot of people out there, <clears throat> a lot of organisations out there from all walks of life are fighting to get on the TV, to get their subject on the TV. And we managed to do that for half an hour and over a million people saw it. But the key thing was it helped horses, helped racehorses particularly. Yeah. It's interesting how you always... I see it like there is a, at that time, at that particular time, there is a status quo, like a normal way of doing things. And then there is this pattern interruption that you guys basically create and show, hey, what we're doing, what the status quo is, what is normal now, is actually maybe not that normal. And then I find that very interesting how that creates change and on a, on a pretty, pretty big scale, I think. And that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like with with all animal industries, um, they work to normalise the animals within the system. So horse racing is looked upon as a normal thing, a normal leisure entertainment. You can bet on horses, you can go to the races and get dressed up, and have a drink and have a good time and look at the horses, and that's what they want to promote. Mm 
-hmm. What they don't want to know is all the bad side, all the killing, all the bits in the mouth, all the whipping, um, the deaths. Um, but it's society has normalized that over many, many years, the same way as meat eating has been normalized for generations and generations. But now we're seeing, you know, a big movement of veganism, you know, people changing the diets that you don't have to have meat to survive. You don't need animal experiments to, um, you know, for, for the future of science and health and well-being. You don't need to experiment on animals in this in this day and age. And we've got a, a very good campaign at Animal Aid. Um, to the purpose of that, showing that we don't need to experiment on animals. Um, we don't need to kill wildlife. We don't need to persecute wildlife and say certain wildlife is, you know, they're, 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 they're vermin and these animals are not vermin. You know, and we've taken that for granted for so many years. And I think, you know, particularly your, your generation are, are really questioning that. Um, when I was your age, that wasn't really questioned very much you know it's very difficult to question that and of course there wasn't the opportunity where and again when i started out campaigning many you know 30 odd years ago um there was um you didn't have mobile phones you didn't have the internet you couldn't go on a zoom meeting yeah. um you had to write a letter and you would post put a stamp on that letter and you would post it and then you would wait two weeks to get a reply from somebody you know, it was that it was that difficult to to sort of campaign and work. And it was pen and paper. It wasn't computers. And now the modern age, things are so quick. They happen, you know, can happen in minutes yeah. and get word out. Whereas in the old days when I started, it was days and weeks. It was uh, very old fashioned. <laughs> I'm giving away my age now. but uh, <laughs> I'm, well, well, I'm well past retirement. <laughs> What about because I'm passionate? Yeah, well, we'll ask you the last question, and which I find very interesting. I'm very curious about your answer. Um, you've done a lot of campaigns, you've been in this world of campaigning for a very long time, so you know a lot. There's a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. So, what are let's say two or three tips you would want to give someone our age or anyone who would want to do something like you, like yourself? or who would want to start a campaign or, or join a campaign or anything, what are your, the tips, what is important? Um, campaigning isn't easy. It's a long-term issue. So if you're going to campaign, you've got to think about the long-term. Um, resolving things isn't always very quick. So it, it, it takes time. So be patient, be passionate. You've got to have a passion within you to do that. You, I can see you're both very passionate about what you're doing. I've been passionate myself. My colleagues are all passionate. So passion is a key thing. So those are probably emotive issues. You know, that's an emotive thing. You know, it's something built in and emotional. But there's the other side as well. You have to know your subject. You have to study your subject. You have to almost say, I don't like to use the word enemy, but when I see people in intensive farming or on a race course being cruel to animals you know i class them as the opposition but you've got to understand that opposition how they operate and why they operate and then you can start disseminating what is going on and taking it apart and constructing a campaign to destroy that industry and that that is the aim it's a long slow process but understand the opposition 
and build a strong campaign by breaking into different aspects of what they're doing. Amazing. That's Incredible. very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave you with, with this. Thank you so much for, for your time and amazing answers. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. And I'm definitely hats off to you for the undercover work because i think that's that's incredible that's really cool. yeah so yeah thank that, you so much that, i didn't go, i didn't go undercover personally but we're a, yeah. a great guy and his team went undercover and filmed that yeah incredible. we just put it out there yeah. <laughs> so yeah thank so, you uh, so much. thank you very much for uh, inviting me on it's a pleasure